Hello, welcome to another episode of Classic Creep Podcast. And first of all, I want to say thank you to everyone who came up to us around B-Sides SF and RSA in San Francisco last week and gave us a big hug, took pictures with us. It really meant a lot that you came and said hello. So thank you so much for doing that. It meant so much that we have a huge community everywhere which is there to support us and be behind us. So thank you so much for all the encouragement as well. I know last week you mentioned that we're going to do themes from RSA and B-Sides SF for the rest of the month. So there would not be any live episode, but... I definitely wanted to have this episode as live, which is the CISO perspective that has been brought back again. And the, for this, we had Sean Catlett from Slack. He is a CISO of Slack and has been the CISO of Reddit before that and banking before. So there is a lot of varied experience that he brought into the space. He has B2C experience, so consumer space. He also has B2B experience, so as works in the enterprise space as well. So I had to get Sean on and he shared a lot of gems about What's it like being a CISO in today's day and age? And what's it like being a CISO in a B2C company versus a B2B company? Now, for people who may be aspiring to be CISOs, this is a great episode. We had a lot of questions being asked where we spoke about, I guess, some of the answers that you might want to know. When are you ready to become a CISO? I won't answer that for you over here, but you should definitely listen to Sean. I think he has a great perspective. Having done this at Reddit and having done this now at Slack, I think he's definitely quite experienced to share what's it like in the modern day to become a CISO. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I also wanted to say thank you to everyone who dropped us a review and a rating on iTunes and Spotify. And if you haven't, and if you enjoyed this free episode from Cloud Security Podcast, feel free to drop us a review or rating. It really helps us quite a bit. So it doesn't take much. If you're already listening to this on Spotify, there's already a star button on the top when you see the podcast thing. So same goes for the iTunes. Feel free to tap that in. It really means a lot. Thank you so much again. And I'm I'm looking forward to sharing some of the themes that we found at RSA. I'm not going to spoil that for you here, but I would look forward to your reactions and maybe some feedback on how we can make it even better than what we are doing it. So very different to what we normally do. So I hope you enjoy that. And for the moment, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Sean Catlett, CISO Perspective, and I will talk to you next weekend. Peace. Before we start, if you could, for people who may not know you, the one or two people in the audience who may not know you, if you can just give yourself a brief intro about yourself, that would be awesome. Yeah, great. So Sean Cadlett, uh, Chief Security Officer here at Slack. Been here about two years. And uh, previous to that was the first CISO for Reddit, and then a number of different jobs in the security space from the security startups and fintech firms. Awesome. And I love the fact that you actually came from a very varied background, which we'll get into from uh, from a business perspective as well. But considering it's cloud security podcast as well, we kind of have this question which we ask everyone as a leader, what does cloud security mean? For me, it's been interesting because it's been how you kind of stay current. My career arc and journey, I've been from large first party data center build outs and multi-company kind of global technology companies. And what's great about, from my perspective on cloud is you've got the speed component that I think is so important, but it also, mm-hmm. from a leadership standpoint, you also have to, to deal with that speed. There's a compression and just the amount of time to create capabilities that works on both sides, both on what you want to create as well as what's being created around you. And I just yeah. find that it's pretty awesome. So I think what you've touched on is very interesting because as a CISO, I imagine having conversation with bo- at a board level also comes with the challenge of explaining something which is quite technical to, as you said as well, going into fast speed, producing more products. How does a leader 
I guess these days, how does it help making board understand the risk behind, say, something like cloud supply chain, just some of the buzzwords of the, I don't really say buzzword, but these are topical at the moment. So how does one explain these technical, at least in your experience, these technical topics? Well, I think you need kind of both halves of your brain. I think you have <laughs> to be both uh, technical and business oriented for, for two reasons. I think that the, the demands of the job kind of pull you in those directions. I mean, you have to be able to, to speak up in a business aligned way, understanding the, the business that you're in, how your company makes money. I mean, it sounds simple, but I think a lot of times we can get very removed from that and actually yep. just think about the security roles, missions, attackers, defenders. And I think to really speak to a board, you've got to be able to really understand what are they looking to do? How are they looking to guide the organization? What can you do to keep them where able to make good decisions, make sure you're absolutely factual. And so that I think needs some technical depth because you have to make sure that you've asked the right questions of your team, of your business, of the metrics before you get there, you don't want to be doing yes. that. And, and I think a really important part is that you have to be able to retain, like attract and retain the people that you need. And I think that you can really only do that with, with the technical skills to be able to help kind of break down projects and programs into meaningful parts and get people really energized about what they're trying to build. Yeah. And I think you've, you've kind of touched on something that I'm really always curious about. A lot of people are saying that the role of a CISO is slowly turning more technical. Like previously, a lot of other leaders could transition onto a CISO role because I guess the rumor was, well, it's a security project, so it's not really that hard. I can just manage security. I'll manage other projects. I can manage security project. Do you find that these days it's actually far from the truth that if you're not technical, it would be harder to do a job as a CISO in today's day. I do believe that that's true, but there's a balance. I, I think that it really is, I think, dependent on the company. It's dependent on what you're there to protect. I think that there are definite roles where maybe it's less important and there's more important to understand the regulatory environment or privacy or, or something that may be uh, a little bit different than like a, maybe a deeper technical role. However, I think it can't hurt to have those skills. I think if you balance that with the business skills and you'll see that a lot. And I, I get into conversations with executives about how we as a security or either leadership team or organization or even industry don't explain things well, that we don't actually connect with the business. And so I think being able to, to translate those skills is what's going to be really, really important. I don't, I just don't think you can go get budget if you don't have the business skills, if you don't understand how, how your business is operating. And so then you're not going to have the people that you need, even if you're really excellent on the technical side to be able to articulate things maybe downward or outward, but I, I've not heard people describe these jobs as easy. So I'm interested who you're talking to. Who would forever be unnamed, I guess, as someone who's commented saying as well, I always thought the CISO needed to be technical, but I guess you, your point, technical and business oriented, is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think yeah. that at the end of the day, and, and there's so many different ways to be technical. I think that that's really important to call out. I think that what I've seen coming out to the Bay Area is, is a much greater focus on having been or currently being a software engineer as background. I'm, okay. I'm a bit different than that. That's actually not my background at all. It's something that I've had to kind of pick up uh, and learn over time. But I think that taking somebody out of that environment and putting them into maybe a large financial services or banking environment or HIPAA compliant, like medical devices, they, they yeah. might struggle there because they've not seen maybe a broader perspective around those exist in any business, threat detection, uh, yeah. vulnerability management, et cetera, that you must be some, somewhat technical for. Oh yeah, sweet. Hopefully that answers the question, but feel free to keep your uh, comments and thoughts coming in as well on the live chat. So maybe talking about different kinds of businesses, you have, sounds like you mentioned Reddit, you mentioned uh, Slack as well, very different. Like I think, I don't know if actually Reddit has a business offering, but sounds like a B2C versus a B2B. How different is cybersecurity and to 
quote you earlier about different kind of businesses require different kind of security as well. How different is the B2C security versus the B2B security, I guess? It's funny because I think the B2C environment, they're similar in some veins, but I think one, it's just like the style is very different and how you communicate risk to like your, co- your customers. So right. if you think of communicating security issues or changes to the way that the product works that may, may impact their experience, security or privacy in a B2C space, you really have to think like, really far in advance. And that's where there's probably like super similarities in the, and, and analogs, but they're just very different in how they actually operate. So you know, to give an example from, to communicate a lot, a lot of what we wanted to communicate around misinformation, around the uh, changes that we were going to be making and the product to improve the way that security and trust and safety and privacy were being rolled out. We created a separate community as you would with Reddit, but it was basically a you know company specific blog of Reddit security. So we had an avenue to communicate, but if we had not done that, it's extremely challenging of like, how do I find the reach to really notify people effectively of, of changes that are being made? How do I get their feedback? How do I make sure that we're working around that? And then pivot that to B2B where you need to do the same thing, but those are contractual relationships. You already know, and there's probably a, a support model of customers around how you communicate. But I think the principles are the same. I think that being transparent is something that I really championed in each of my roles, making sure that we're out there, we're communicating clearly with customers and that we're educating them about the changes that we're making so that they can better protect themselves. I'm actually curious, is there a, I guess if I were to put a challenge scale, is the challenge of explaining security harder in consumer space versus a bit like an enterprise business? I don't know that you could say which is harder. I think that they both had just come with their own different challenges. I mean, the one assumption that you can't make is that your users, while they may not all understand everything that you're putting out there. Sometimes that's on, that's yeah, on what yeah. you're what you're able to communicate, the language that you use, but your customers are extremely intelligent. They know a lot, especially as a wisdom of crowds, right? Of what they need, what signals they listen to for you to get to gain yep. trust and breaking that trust. You can do that with either population, whether it's yeah. holding back on information or not communicating effectively. I think that those challenges persist regardless of which business that you are. Right. And do you reckon, because I'm thinking more from our team members as well, who are part of the security team, there would be a lot of them listening to this podcast as well. What, uh, I, I guess from their perspective, what can they, maybe, I don't know if you have a perspective on this, but I'm curious, does it change at their level? Like from that, from, I guess, say, for I'm just making an example, security engineer, for example, of a role, their, their, their role would still probably remain similar between a B2C and B2B, it's mostly at a leadership level that it changes dramatically, right? the way you would explain security, or do you feel it even at like the ground level for security teams as well? It, I think it changes. You think of where the demand for security comes from. So I think where yeah. I always felt in, in kind of the B2C context, you, you might be your role, your team. So I think that's where it yeah. does matter to the whole team might be the last and only arbiter of whether you got that appropriately managed and that you're there to represent that for for the business. And whereas enterprise customers, especially businesses, they have a whole other team on the other side. They have expectations, so they can be much more challenging because their expectations can be regulatory. They can be the demands that they have on their business in order to be able to achieve what they're trying to do. So there's a nuance there, but I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't put it either as easy. And I think that you really have to instill that with your teams. I think we all do that anyway, as leaders, that's kind of your job the work that people are doing with the protection that they're trying to to gain for the organization. But I think with, with the consumer world, you have to look at like somebody building a product and engineering, especially on the the security side, after reviews, they may be in a very small group, especially in a smaller company with a large consumer base, they may be a very small group making massive decisions. So making sure that they know how to make good decisions, that you have good frameworks, I think that's, it's vitally important. Awesome. Great answer as well, by the way. I've got a question here from Darpan. Based on your experience, when is the right time for organization to define a CISO 
rather than rely on a CIO to focus on security. Darpit, I love your question. It's funny when I joined Reddit, I asked repeatedly, and I've kind of kept this and, and asked organizations, is it too early or too late to hire a CISO, right? <laughs> and uh, always a good one to ask if you're joining, by the way, if you're an aspiring CISO. But I, I think what's there is a, of the business being ready. I think they have to be ready for some investment. I think it's also interesting the way that so many companies now rely on SaaS and those SaaS products already have some security baked in. And so there's some leverage that can be gained. CIOs maybe extending a bit further than we have in the past where you had to start building and owning your own solution and you can't have no security. And so I think that there's leverage, um, especially if folks who are cloud native or leveraging a lot of SaaS to, to have that model. However, the CISO role is a particular one where you're in many ways aligning an organization. You may be centralizing, sometimes not, and getting the team, I guess the company recognition that they need to be thinking about this. I think that's when that role is really, really important. And so sometimes that's really early in the life cycle of a business. And other times it can be much, much later because it's either like kind of natively built into their product and the way that they think about it or their executive teams and maybe the, just the way that their company is working. Awesome. Uh, thanks for the answer. And hopefully that answered your question, but feel free to ask another one, Darpin uh, and others as well, or who are listening into the live stream. So talking about the different kinds of SaaS applications that you mentioned as well, like these days, a lot of people have them. A lot of SaaS providers are even trying to provide security features as well another kind of almost like a SaaS is in my mind are the cloud service providers now cloud service providers we've all been using them for a while and for a long time there was not that many vulnerabilities that came out for each of the cloud service providers but so the question around can we trust the cloud was usually followed by hey when was the last time you heard about a vulnerability but unfortunately or fortunately for them over the last seven, eight months, there have been a lot of, let's say, uh, a lot more on AWS and some on Azure and some on GCP, there have been vulnerabilities found. Do you feel that the cloud service provider could be doing a bit more to gain trust for leaders? Because I imagine kind of like, not just leaders like you and I, but the board is also reading on this and to us talking about earlier that, hey, we need to explain the business, why technical risk. Do you feel the cloud service provider have a responsibility of some sort or maybe... What what is your reaction to the whole, I guess, vulnerabilities coming out? And does that question the trust that you have in the... Well, I think there's a few things, and this could be any business. I don't know that it's specific to, to cloud providers, but I think it's just really, really important in particular for all of them and, and anybody built on SaaS. I, I say a lot, transparency is confidence. Being able to, I, I believe in the shared services and the shared responsibility model. However... Yes. I think that it's, we could do more to blur that line a little bit with the information that's provided around those kind of black box solutions that are being sold. And I think when things like vulnerabilities come out, need to be solved, being very clear about what was affected, how fast they were fixed, what the companies need to do to on their side when they started so they could protect themselves if they were vulnerable. You have to remember that you have other people leveraging your own capabilities. And so I think that yeah. that's really an important aspect. But additionally, the terminology, I think for when you look at trust, especially like the board or you know, CIOs looking to the workloads into the cloud, we really have to get some standardization at the industry level for the yeah. terminology that's used for a lot of these products. Because when you call the same thing, different things, it just slows things down. And I think we, as a, a broader community, could help that with some standardization that would make it easier for you to know, okay, I know what this is leveraging. I understand this container solution. And then I understand the controls that would be built around. Yes, you need product names and everyone needs to be selling something. I get that. But it's very challenging to, to map some of those and understand where it starts and stops. And then the patchwork of solutions that you need, where you have coverage. 
So I think that that's a really, really important. No, good point. And also talking about people who are not being transparent, I guess, attack, attackers, I guess, who probably sometimes don't even share what they found. After being on in the industry for such a long time, what surprises you the most in terms of the kind of attacks that are happening these days? Like, you know, I, I don't know, I imagine floppy disk attacks or whatever, but something that you might have seen when you were <laughs> starting off. But what what's something that still surprises you? about attackers in today's well there's three things for me and, and i think the, the the first is the continued like professionalization and model modularization of their business which is like if you think of like the ransomware businesses the blank insert attack for hire or almost SaaS of attacker uh, infrastructure and services i think that's fascinating to me that those capabilities, you see some of the leaks about certain organizations and then learning how they've had similar challenges that we all have with running a business and yeah. getting the service that they need, getting the skills. I think that that's, that's one side, which is like professionalism. And then on the other side, I think just the continued every few years, just extremely brash nature of some threat actor that goes and takes down and target extremely large parts of, you know, whether it's tech infrastructure or organizations. And I just, I just again, find that fascinating. And the piece that i I've been thinking about lately is, and this is related to, to something else I hope we get to talk about, but these attackers are able to get trained to such skill levels. And I know the old adages of like, they, we have to be right every time and they only have to be right once. But, but at the end of the day, there's something that they are doing right and how they are able to pass technical knowledge and knowledge of the targets and the things that they're doing in a way that I think is really important for us to think about like how we grow organically the folks that we uh, train and the, that we have inside the industry. And so I always just intrigued at how they're uh, able to do that at such scale. Yep. And that's a great question. Uh, it's a great way to look at this because and yeah, to your point, a lot of people don't realize that attackers these days are not individuals. They are actually full organizations to what you were saying as well. They're businesses. They're, they're doing operations at a global scale, probably using Bitcoin or some kind of cryptocurrency to operate that as well. So it's a great answer. What a question here from Dutch as well. Do you have any tips on how to train your teams on starting with business initiatives and then applying through security? I don't see a lot of engagement at the manager and director level with their peers in sales, operation, HR, legal, marketing, etc. How do we better cultivate that? Thanks, Dutch. I, one of the things that I learned very early on in my career, and this was actually all the way back to my Bank of America days, I think they did an incredible job and in tried to onboard so many people, right? I mean, at that point, we were, I think we were reaching close to 300,000 employees. And so the scale of making sure that the company trains its people effectively, they had a whole program, which was just how the bank, and they would walk through and then go through their products. And I've always taken that in any business of like, okay, how do I break that down? Like, how do we know that? Because so that you have to protect that, so that you then have to protect all the data and the systems that come from that core channel of how the company is going to make money. And so I think that's really, really important. And then I, I think you kind of answered the question with the second part of your question there. I think it is through your leaders being pushed to really engage beyond the security team to really learn how those other groups operate and then think through what are their, what are their critical data assets? What are the systems they use? Are those systems secure? Because many times they may have gone far afield to use a solution, maybe especially in a fast growing place that maybe wasn't fully thought through. Maybe it's old, maybe it hasn't been used in years. Maybe it hasn't been you know, re-reviewed. And anytime that you can spend some time, make something more effective, unblock another team, you just build that business relationship, which is vitally important. Awesome. Uh, thanks for the answer. And hopefully that answers your question. Feel free to ask a follow-up on as well. So that kind of is a good segue into my next question around challenges for a leadership role these days. What are some of the biggest challenges that you see in the cybersecurity space that maybe is not being spoken about enough as a leader? Well, I think it's being spoken about all the time as far as how do we grow our workforce? We've got to figure out solutions for being able to bring in more just people into the into the cybersecurity 
world on, in all roles. So I think just in general, and this is at you know every national level, there's initiatives for there. I think that it's just really, really important to, to figure that out. We'll definitely have some some thoughts on that topic. But I think also like how we then grow our leaders, right? To reach scale, you've got to have you know leaders that are able to mentor and make time available to, to grow other leaders. And the last got to enable diversity. We have to make sure that we continue to challenge ourselves to not be myopic, because I think at the end of the day, when you think of security, it's a, it's a very well-rounded problem. So yeah. you need a well-rounded team to go try to tackle those problems. So it's each of those has you know their own particular challenges, but I think it, we've got to do all. I actually thought on diversity as well, because to one of the teams that came across from BSAT SF and RSA when we were there as well, a lot of conversations around diversity, not just in terms of, I guess, inclusivity and equity, but also in terms of where people were coming from into the cybersecurity space. And uh, do you have some thoughts on that as well? well I, I, I'll, I can speak for myself as I got started. For me, it was, I was a biology major because I was down at University of Texas at Austin, realized I didn't want to be in pre-med. I was spending all my time and switched over to a business degree just to finish up so I could join a startup and right. online music, really cool, fun. But if you think about that background, if I, I always think about if I went today with that background into a role and said, I would like to get this role, this team, this job, would I even make it past the weed out the, a process of processing resumes, right? Yeah. And so I think for a lot of us, it's making sure that we're hiring for attitude and aptitude. I do like to see people that have gone out and tried to work on whether it be capture the flags or things that kind of demonstrate some analog skills for the industry or just a drive to go get trained up and, and work outside of their own discipline towards ours by, you know, showing training and certifications and things like that at a very early age. But when I went through and I talked to a, a number of CISOs out at, at RSA this last week, it was just, it just triggered in my mind. I was doing another talk and I wanted to just find out like, what were their backgrounds? And so it was business, biology, history, civil engineering, biochem, criminal, criminal justice, and public relations. I did actually find some that had cybersecurity degrees. So, uh, so that was good. I, I was like, oh, you're, you're unique. And then there were a few in computer science and, and as you'd expect, but liberal arts and leadership and some, just some places I wouldn't have expected. And this is, these were mostly, I believe, Bay Area CISOs. And so it's wow. kind of interesting to think like, we've all gotten there. What are we doing to enable other to have those same potential backgrounds because I think that's that's the definition of diversity there as far as like backgrounds and the way that they are able to apply those skills to the problem space we have. Wow, uh, it's a good point as well because I think we, a few of our listeners, I think uh, Zenith was uh, there earlier. So Zenith is used to be a lawyer, now she's in cybersecurity. So quite a, quite a few people in our local, I mean, I guess in our space as well. Oh, there you go. So I can't find, find the person's name, but I know many CISOs that started without a background. So there's already a few people already there. Kind of on the same vein, I've got a question from Darpan again. When did that you were ready to be a CISO? What led to that realization? Kind of, I guess this kind of lies, aligns with the question that I had about people who want to become CISOs. What's your advice for that? So maybe I'll start with Darpan's question. Well, I think imposter syndrome is real. I don't know that any of us ever really feel like we're ready. <laughs> You're in the job with a label. I think other people ascribe more to you, to it than, than you do. I feel like it's always a role that's constantly shifting. The expectations seem to continue to magnify the lens that's put on you and your role for all reasons. So I, I don't know that you ever truly feel ready. I think for me, it was, I had, I'd come up through a leadership role in threat detection. And when I was able to take a role at a company and this is why you know, I answered earlier, like it's really company dependent, where it was 
really important for them to get somebody that had the background and skills and experience that I had to take on that first role. Cause I was an external hire into a CISO role versus an internal promotion. And so oh, yeah. that takes a lot of trust on both sides on making sure that you do you can demonstrate the skills. Also really acknowledging where you are still learning and the skills you're yeah. trying to gain. But I think I'd say the first you know time where you feel ready for it, you're probably ready for another job. It's something where you're really challenged all the time. And that's, I think what keeps you really, at least for me mentally around the, the roles that we, that we do, but um, not sure I answered your question, but uh, a little bit. But, but I think you, you did kind of in a lot of ways. And I think I just find out who the person is. Uh, so it's Barbara Kramer. She's, she's got a few comments as well. I know many, as uh, you just started with a computer background, could be that we are seeing more certification programs coming. ISA is a really, it's really pushing new training. So it seems like a few ways why people are trying to get into the space as well. But thanks for the comments as well, Barbara. But to, to come back to Darpan Singh about, I guess, becoming CISO Wendy, having done this for some time, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on, do you think it's easy, the frustration and everything that, because it's almost like a, almost managing an entire business on your own as well. In a lot of ways, it's, it's, it's not something that people may say, oh, I only need to care about HR. I only need to care about marketing, or right? I only, this is kind of across the entire business. So a lot more demanding, right. at least in my opinion. So i kind of put some scale on some of the, I guess, biggest opportunities as well in this space. It's really frustrating. I, I, I imagine just the amount of pressure that goes in. But do you feel there are opportunities in this space as well that are not yet, I guess, not spoken about, I guess? Yeah, I think we have a, a lot of folks who they're in those roles, like not to just go get beaten down by all the challenges, right? But they're really still trying to, I think, change the role into what I would say is an effective and actual C-level, right? I think it's got yeah. the title. But I think you'll find a lot of times that the title is actually leveled in a different place in the organization, may not have the impact that you would expect as other C-level titles. And so I still think there's a bit to be earned there. But I think that you earn that by being an enabler of the business. And actually, I had another peer of mine who uh, was actually initially hired and works for the CEO of his, of his company. And so you ask that, what's the difference of working for the CEO versus CTO? And his answer is still so impactful for, for me and, and I think others, which is he's helping the business at the point where those business decisions are being made to think through and to carve out where the business is going versus mm -hmm. the usually second or third order effect of the business has decided a thing, they then decide a technology and then they come to the security team and they say, hey, can you help make this secure? And so I think shifting the role to be one, that one, we have to be able to be business leaders to be at that table. You can't just say, hey, I wanna be here, I have the title. And we can get into all that with what's happening with SEC and putting people on boards from our industry and things like that. But I think that it is something that has to be earned to be able to offer that type of advice, which I think just compounds imposter syndrome across the board to then be that level of business leader, to be able to translate that across all those functions that you mentioned. Really, yeah. really. Yeah, I think that's probably the more harder piece because you kind of have to understand Almost like you're running a business because you have to understand HR problems, marketing problems, sales problems as well sometimes. So it sounds like a very, uh, to quote you earlier, well-rounded role as well for people who may be listening to this and going, oh, what kind of skills do I think? We mentioned about the technical skills, but what about the kind of soft skills that are required for such a role? Because I think we kind of mentioned uh, the technical roles from a hey, cloud supply chain, having a knowledge of that, but are there any other specific skill set that people should kind of have in mind? Uh, and I'm going to uh, take a leaf from Darpa's question as well. People who may be listening to this going, oh, I want to be a CISO one day, but I'm a smart technical person. Uh, I've got all this, uh, like the, this, whoever this person is, like he or she maybe like, you know, super gun at like a certification or done sort of things. What are some of the 
other skill sets that they should think about are working in that space because they might just be working say cloud security at the moment but they have their eyes on something like a CISO role what would your advice be to someone like first of all just recognizing that it's one of the few roles that you have like people actively trying to destroy the things that you create and your job. So if that's what you're in for, just you don't see that challenge across a lot of the other disciplines. When you think of sales marketing, it's all metaphorical or business, right? And this is yeah. kind of actual. I think turning to, to, to some of the, the skills and, and I, I try not to flip it on these. I actually really believe these are important to cultivate. That sense of curiosity, cultivating curiosity and remaining current is extremely important. Things move so quickly. And like you said, you're responsible for the oversight, and the way to kind of translate very large changes in businesses, technology, et cetera, into manageable and, and, and meaningful plans. That also takes leadership skills, the ability to build relationships, look at your peer groups and understand some of their challenges. And I think uh, humility around that, that you're not going to have the answer both for your team and for others. You know, I think the toughest skill, and I don't know where you learn this. I, I think I have some, the things I do, like personally, I play a lot of games. And so I feel like you, you kind of have to learn to, to lose and like pick yourself up and and then turn, turn that around because there are going to be things that are just, they're not, there's no good decision except making one right then. And then working towards, you know, closing or, or solving a risk because it's something that you didn't do it. You didn't create the vulnerability. It's, it's there. You have to go deal with that. And that can feel tough when your role is to, to make sure that things are secured or at least appropriately risk managed. So I think playing games and really understanding and like kind of working through like the current state of the, the industry, whether it be like capture the flag type things or, or those. I think they're all really important skills to think that through. And when I like take a massive step back and try to say like, how, what got me here? I don't think there's one thing except just absolute passion for this space. Find your thing and then hold on to that and then try to find companies that really need that thing. So and in, in for me, it's always been things like threat. And I've got a passion for threat detection and privacy. And so it's like find places where that's like the core of where what they, they need. And then you'll always be excited on what you're working on. Oh, that's a good point. I think because also because it kind of ties in really well to what we were talking about, understanding the business that you're trying to work in as well. You, you may not have all the other background, but just because the company you may work for has a strong focus on privacy and you could be the best CISO out there because you understand the space and you can bring more leadership around that as well. So very well, very well put in. Our final question on this, considering we are talking about the future of uh, people who are trying to get into the CISO space as well, from a cybersecurity industry perspective, and we just recently did RSA, where do you see for the rest of 2022 and maybe for a couple of years after that as well, where do you see the cybersecurity industry focus on and what some of the themes that you might have thought, hey, what, this might be something that people would talk more about? Well, I think if you, I mean, taking a massive zoom out first, yeah. I think that just recognizing that just the attack surface is growing so rapidly. Like it's just the, knowing that we're going to have to have things that better document and collect information and, and make sure that we know the environments that we're there to protect. I think that's going to be extremely important. Uh, I think that there's also just a, a lack of, we have a lot of things which are, I think you can take newer technologies, but apply them to older problems and really get some real results, but they are like the fundamentals for the industry. And I think we need to continue to focus there versus like the new shiny and obviously skills, that's going to be really important. But when I think through the things that I, I'm really intrigued by, so I love attack simulation. I just think that the ability to actually prove what you have, whether it's automated attack simulation, some of those technologies or red team or enabled red team technologies and capabilities with teams, that proving security is just so important. And I, I think that that's something that our businesses really want. And when you don't have things going bump in the night, you feel like things are locked up, you're doing well, 
having that capability to kind of wake you up and also yeah. let you really test your, your capabilities is, is really important. I guess last for me is I'm personally really interested in graph technologies as applied to security problems, because I think mapping out those relationships just help you communicate to the business and help you better prioritize. But yeah. there are definitely, again, now you're getting the shortages of shortages of people with like those skills that are leveraging those skills in the security domain and even like yeah. products in that space. So I think yeah. it's, again, it's, it's super challenging for, for us to make sure that we have people with the right skills to, to achieve what we're trying to do. Yeah, awesome. And I think well put together as well, because you almost feel a DAX office management was definitely a theme and the other one being, I, I guess, just, just, just the skills required to even get behind this as well. Because I think, to your point, GraphQL, all the other newer names people heard, now suddenly the security folks are expected to understand that and work with it as well. You can't, so the, the paradigm is already shifting from being just a cloud person to now, hey, I need to know GraphQL, whatever. That's right, yeah. And, and then you're imagining all the different data, data types that are probably in those systems yep. disparately in non-security focused realms for what those do. And then trying to bring that in, make sense of it, secure that while trying to say like, can we actually apply that to how we gain better understanding as an industry around the relationships between systems and data, vulnerabilities, that system and its owner, and those types yeah. of problems that become so challenging. Yeah, no, great point. And I think I've got a comment here from Barbara for education as well. I think it's uh, something called Divergence Academy works with veterans through government grants today. Yeah. There's a, people should check out our Divergence Academy for veterans to get into cybersecurity. Uh, Awesome. Appreciate your time on the show. And I appreciate you sharing the knowledge. Where can people find you to connect with you? And maybe I guess have any, if people, whoever has follow-up questions, where can they find you on social? LinkedIn. And that's, that's going to be the, the best for, for me. Generally don't do, do much on uh, Twitter and I've obviously worked at Reddit. So uh, I, I've used those for more receiving of things. So yeah, I mean, I do, I'm on, on Twitter. If people want to, to ping me there, but LinkedIn, I'll probably to get your chance. At awesome. I'll uh, leave that bio in the show notes as well, but thank you so much for this, uh, Sean. I really appreciate this and I'm glad we got to meet in person as well before we got to yeah. Dubai. Uh, yeah, thanks so much for coming in, man. I really appreciate this and I'm looking forward to having you again one day. Absolutely. No, thank you. Thanks everyone else. We'll see you on the next weekend's episode. See ya. Thank you for listening to that episode of Cloud Security Podcast. If you found some new information from that episode, we would appreciate if you share it with others. Share it with us as well if you have any good feedback or good learnings from the episode. We are on all your favorite podcast platforms. If you don't find us there, you can always go on our website, www.cloudsecuritypodcast.tv to listen to the latest episode. We appreciate your support in helping us grow. It helps us bring more guests. It helps us support the channel. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time and talk to you on the next episode.